Hello and welcome to Duelist Community Raw, episode 18. I am letting go more and more of the need to be anything. Anything at all. Anything that I think I should be. Anything that I think you think I should be. Anything at all. And in that state of vulnerability and more easily tapping into authenticity, it's just an ease, a lack of concern for how things are going to how things are going to go and what it means about me because it never really has. And that feeling of freedom, that experience of not having to be something or defend something or compare yourself to something that is basically just an assumption, that feeling is transformative in the extreme. It's what allows us to feel more sensitive, more free, more empathetic, more clear, more aware, more intelligent, more creative. There's so much that goes with just being free of the illusion of ourselves that we create perpetually and by habit. That experience is all we want for you, dear listener. If there was anything that we want for you, it's for you to get what you truly want, which is freedom, that sense of fulfillment, that sense that you are already whole. We really have no other ambition here on Dualistic Unity. It's certainly not about Andrew and I, because Andrew and I are already working on our own sense of freedom. So we have no need for you to do anything for us. But how can we be more useful to you? That's really the only question that we have. And so because of that, we're constantly trying to come up with new and more exciting ways to interact with the community, to be able to reach out to you, have you contact us, interact with us during the show, after the show, in our group discussions, in live events, whatever it may be, because the more we all experience freedom and our full potential as a result of that freedom, the more we just want to share it. Not because we think we know where everybody else should go or we know how everybody else should live, but we know that they will be better able to make that decision on their own from a state of clarity. And that's all we want. We have faith in them but we know that it's very difficult to do anything in a state of confusion. So that's what this is all about. So we're very glad that you're here participating in this conversation, helping us find greater and greater degrees of clarity. So that way we can better serve the community as a whole. And with all of that said, I hope you enjoy this live stream. That is Duelist Community Raw, episode 18. And there we go. The start of yet another week of season four. I'm oh, pumped, yeah. man. I got to tell you, there's been so many awesome changes. Yeah, I mean, another awesome, awesome week starting starting with a great day. I think we got like seven and a half hours of calls total today. Yes, and we do. I'm, I'm excited for it. I mean, I feel like the uh, the Patreon groups are uh, those those are just like I just enjoy those. I just I don't. That's not that's like the furthest thing from work that I find. Not that this even feels like work because we're just talking, right. or even even the workshops like. Those are probably the closest to a work type feel, but at the same time, like still not because it's still, you know, I get to talk about stuff that I'm interested in and then other people are curious about and interested in. And so, yeah, nothing really does. But yeah, I mean, even thinking about today, it's like, sounds like a great way to spend my day. <laughs> yeah. Talking about the things we enjoy talking about. But I have to say, day one of the authentic coaching and relationship building workshop was awesome. It was really good. I really enjoyed it. The, the opportunity to discuss very much like the basics of 
good coaching with everyone. And it was nice to see some aspiring coaches in there, some current coaches in there. There, there were some great questions. So there was a lot of value just in that first day. And then here going into the second day, we're going to talk about not what to do in the session so much as how to keep going outside the session, what to do with yourself, how to market your business, how to develop your coaching style, as well as your coaching network. It's going to be a valuable day. I'm very excited. Yeah, likewise. Because, yeah, I mean, I think I'm, it's funny because our sort of dynamic with a workshop like this, I think is, I don't know, works well, because you've obviously been in it for a while. I haven't been in it for a while. So I'm like, but I've been in it also, and I'm still learning as I go. So, you know, I, I was involved in the Q and a yesterday as well. Like I had questions that I was interested in and I think there are things that people who maybe haven't gotten into coaching yet may not even know could be questions. So it like, it works pretty well, but even, you know, even for today's stuff, like I have certain ways that I've promoted things, but I'm also still very much learning how to promote things and find that balance between, you know, pushing something and also not doing it from a state of feeling like you need more, but also understanding that, you know, you need an income to live. So there are aspects of finding that balance, but with this mentality of understanding freedom and whatnot, it can be I don't know, it can get a little bit tricky sometimes finding that balance between pushing yourself and, you know, trying to make more money and also not going so far and kind of just, I don't know, keeping your wits about you along the way. Yeah, I, I did like that aspect of the coaching workshop was the fact that we're both coming from different ends. You've been coaching for about a year. I've been coaching for longer because I'm old and I've been doing this for a while. And so it's valuable in that there's a spectrum of experience there. There's a lot of things that you've learned that a lot of other coaches can share. And then there's a lot of things you just pick up through going through the shit as it were. And, and so it was nice to be able to share that with you and the other students. Absolutely. But as for the marketing, you have a lot to offer the people who are coming to this workshop in that you've learned how to market yourself online in a lot of ways. And you can definitely help in terms of social media, strategy, content creation, things like that. Whereas the other side of that coin is the marketing yourself locally. A lot of coaches want to work locally. They want to get an office. They want to have the ability to talk to people face to face. And that's an entirely different form of marketing. That's a different way of building your business. It's a different way of coaching ultimately than doing so through Zoom and whatnot. So we're going to have a lot to offer in that conversation as well. So there's going to be some great tips. And what I'm saying is that if anybody would like to join us, you still can, even if you didn't make it to yesterday's part of the coaching uh, of the coaching workshop, you can still join us today for the second half. And the first half will be available as a digital download later this week. And you'll be able to download both parts as soon as the workshop's done pretty much whenever you'd like. So that way you can watch it again and it'll be a valuable resource for you. Likewise, it also gives you access or it serves as a good introduction and offers a bit of a discount on the eight week. Well, I say eight week, but it's going to be broken up into every two weeks coaching mentorship program that's going to be coming up in late February and early March. Now, this is an opportunity for coaches 
to basically form and come together as a support group for one another, where we'll meet every once in a while in a group setting. We will share some tools with you. We will share some templates with you. We will share some experiences with you. And you will have the opportunity to do the same. Tell us what you're going through, share your stories, share your questions, all in confidentiality, of course, with the confidentiality of your clients in mind as well. Um, but it will be an opportunity for you to meet with other coaches and build a referral network as well. Because as we mentioned yesterday in the coaching workshop, sometimes you may not be the right fit for your client. And it's nice to have a network of other peers that you can respect and refer people to, knowing that they'll, they'll get the care or at least the, the kind of relationship that they're looking for or that they need. So that's all coming very, very soon. If you have any questions, of course, ask us on Discord because I'm really excited about that. Even yesterday, just seeing a room full of people who will, after this workshop, go out and cause a slightly different ripple simply because they'll feel more at ease being themselves in that coaching relationship. I don't know. I get really excited about it. I've been spinning through this all night long, just basking in how the world is changing right before our eyes. And it's just a matter of looking. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's super fun to just see the ripples and know that no matter how subtle or how large they are, like they're being made, and every every moment, everything that you do kind of just makes things a little bit more fun. You're more grounded in the experience that you're having because you understand the impact that's being had, the inevitable impact of everything that you do one way or another. Um, but with the with the coaching stuff, especially with the mentorship program, I'm super excited just because, you know, even even for me starting out, like I at least had you that I could bounce things off of and chat about and when someone you know i went into a one-on-one you know kind of wasn't quite sure where to take it you know we could chat about it as well but i think that's something that's missing for a lot of coaches a lot of people who go into it they're on their own they don't really necessarily have many people in their community or their friend group or their circle who are doing the same type of thing so it's very much baptism by fire like they they get into it and that's i think why a lot of people don't get into it also because they're not sure if they're going to be able to handle it. So knowing that you have a sort of support system, a network, people who have been doing it for a while, people who are just starting as well, that you can actually communicate with in the Discord channel, probably on, you know, just group chats over the next couple of years for the people who are involved in it, just to touch base and check in and kind of share stories. There's going to be like the exponential growth from that, from being able to interact with 10, 20, 50, hundred different people and sort of share experiences. Like you're going to do your own one-on-ones and then learn from a ton of different people's experiences doing other one-on-ones and then being able to take that into your situations or even, you know, in group workshop experiences or, you know, group coaching type things. There's going to be all sorts of ways to do it. But I think a community like that of people who are kind of coming at it from the same, a similar mentality, understand some of the roots that of suffering that people deal with and being able to share and be open about things similarly to the way that people are open about things they're personally going through in their lives on our Patreon group chats and whatnot. I think that'll be you know, a huge tool and, and I'm very excited for that community to be built within Dualist community as well. Hell yeah. And not to mention the fact that 
once you're done the mentorship program, you'll actually get a spot on our website as a DU affiliated coach because we'll be able to actually recommend you because we'll have talked to you. So I'm very excited about that. That'll give you a listing on our website for a certain amount of time, of course. And then after that, we can discuss renewal, but you'll get some free exposure out of the dualistic unity community and the discussion as a whole. And we're hoping that that will really help as well as of course, the exposure you're going to get on our discord in our social media through whatever commenting that you get involved with. I'm going to stop there because there's a lot of other tips that we're going to give later on in the workshop. I did want to circle back quickly to the fact that we just wrapped up community topics number 20. I find that amazing because I don't feel like it was that long ago that we're, we were thinking, Hey, it'd be fun to start a, community topics episode where the audience can participate. And suddenly we've got 20 episodes out of the way. And the last one was really good. I mean, they're all, they're all kind of good in my humble, in my humble opinion, but uh, I really enjoyed it. Instinct, intuition, and ADHD. I thought we had some really good insights and especially in, in regards to a lot of what we call disorders or ADHD and whatnot. And just the fact that it's, it's an organic mentality that doesn't sit well in an inorganic world. Yeah, the community topics are always a blast. And it's just, I don't know, that whole idea that we can just have an idea of something, you know, just a thought like, hmm, that'd be interesting to do. And that's been basically the entire ride of dualistic unity. Like, hmm, we could, you know, we, we talk about a lot of stuff in the episodes, but it's hard, you know, we do the timestamps and stuff, but and and the descriptions and everything, but it's not, we, we bounce all over the place. It's not a linear kind of process. We don't structure the calls beforehand, like, Hey, let's cover this, this, this. And so being able to implement some structure so that, you know, we're on episode 20 now and we cover two, sometimes three topics per episode. So we're at 40 plus topics that we've covered very specifically in an episode that now, if someone's curious about something, we can just point them to that. And if we haven't covered it, they can be get involved, like get on Discord, suggest a topic, and then it gets voted. And if it's voted, then we talk about it. And it's it's just so cool that whole idea, even beyond community topics, of just any sort of thing. Like I feel that in videos I make, the the idea that I can have an idea of something in my head and then it can be put into a video is just I don't know one of my favorite things. And you know, be it the retreats or just the podcast in general, like. Hey, want to start a podcast? Yeah, sure. And here we are uh, after, you know, close, getting close to a year and a half here of doing all of this. But just that, that recognition that you can take an idea in your head and because of, especially because of the internet and social media, there's very little barrier to entry for anything that you want to do and, and being able to get things out there and, and just share your thoughts in a very, I don't know, easy manner is just exciting. <laughs> I agree. Actually, I was thinking about this yesterday because dualistic unity is something I, I've been really hesitant about being involved with something like this for a very long time with being in the public and having this conversation, writing a book, anything like that. And, and it's honestly because of the, the danger of becoming Phil Goodlife or, or Teal Swan, for example, because there is such a danger of taking yourself seriously when you start to understand more about yourself. 
and you start to recognize that a lot of the suffering of other people is because they don't necessarily necessarily have the time or the space to recognize more about themselves. And so you start to think like, hey, well, look at me. Hey. And that's a danger. That's where the conversation goes sideways. That's where it all of a sudden becomes about the teachings and the teacher. It becomes about the belief or the identity. It becomes about the path or the message. Dualistic unity has a lot of, of, of insights in it, and there's a lot of conversation, but it's really not about any specific path. It's not about any specific belief. It's not about anything other than the conversation, which informs the moments of silence, which should inform the conversation. That's all this is about, is about the conversation itself. That's why it's not about Andrew or me. Right? It's about you, the listener. It's about you being you, listening to this, taking in whatever you can and doing what you want with it. So that way your life improves and you feel more aligned and free. And so as long as it's about the discussion for the sake of growth, as long as that's the only point is the discussion for the sake of growth and connection, then this show will continue to have integrity. This discussion will continue to have integrity. And I will continue to stay here having this conversation. But if ever it gets to the point where it's being misinterpreted, where we've gone so far astray that people are starting to look up to us, it's at that point that I'll walk. Absolutely. Because that's when it's just causing more harm than good. And I think that's what every, every great conversation should recognize is that there's a point where if people aren't paying attention, it starts to get confused and habitual. And that's when it becomes damaging. And so it's so important that we be vigilant about our own temptations to be comfortable. Right? It's really not about settling on an identity. I'm the kind of person who talks about this. Talks about what? Talks about what? We've had 20 community topic episodes, all of them just all over the place. They go all over the place because we're talking about everything. Everything. It's not a specific conversation. This is not a radical, non-dual message or anything like it. It's just a conversation. And that's the point. We're here together. This is what is. What else is there to do? What else is there to talk about? Where, where else is there to go? Yeah, the more I've, I don't know, clearly I've seen things, the less distortion I've experienced in my life, like the more I've recognized that it has to be for the discussion, like anything, if it's not for the discussion is if it's for you to build an idea, it does more harm than good. Like it's, it's fascinating how few, like how often people aren't doing it just for the discussion. They're doing it for themselves to build themselves, to build a fucking empire, to build, you know, whatever. And that, as much as they feel like they're helping people, they're being destructive in that. And so it, it makes me wonder, and I'm curious for you, like when, how long did it take for you? Like after you woke up to recognize that it has to be about the conversation, it can't be about you expressing things. And was that, Something early on. I mean, I mean, I guess it's a process of Six sort months. of recognizing. Okay, and what was that like? Like um, that transition? 
all of a sudden everybody around me in terms of my, my closer friends started looking up to me. They started going around spreading the gospel of Ray as it were. And it really was like that. Like, Oh man, you don't know. We got to talk about this. Oh, I got to introduce you to Ray. Oh my God. And it was, it was uncomfortable in the extreme because all of a sudden what I was trying to get across was being looked at as something otherworldly. It was being put up, you know, kind of on a pedestal and it wasn't meant to be that way. And I think a lot of that was also because I was very green. I was very excited. Like the way I was coming across, like, man, I, it's like, I, well, I, I had just touched God. I had just come out of my hell and went, holy hell. Like, I just got to tell everybody about this. And then unfortunately, because of that enthusiasm and that, that, you know, that uh, fire, let's just say it really came across. And that's what I've had to learn to temper over time because it can become either too much or too little. You know what I mean? Like, Either you run across somebody who's really looking for something that's going to make them feel like, ha, ah, and then they have an idea of what that means. And so now they just want to attach to you so they can feel something like what they perceive you to be feeling, but they can't because it's conceptualized. So you're actually getting in their way. And then on the flip side of that, you have your super cut off conservative minded person who anything that approaches anything like the woo or anything that approaches anything that appears to not be numb essentially is suspect. And so to those people, you're just like, Oh, wow. Like you, are you on something? Like there is immediately this suspicion that there's, there's something wrong with you or that you're caught up in a cult or anything like that. Right. There's that response. And so there's another reason you have to watch how you come across to people because that can scare those people away. And so, yeah, there's, the, there's that serious danger. You really have to understand that, the way you feel comes across to people, which is fine, but they don't understand how you feel. And so they all perceive it differently based on their own lens. Right. And so this is why uh, so often we talk about the need to be calm. The reason it's important to be calm. It's very much like the surface of the water, right? When it's rippling, causes all kinds of chaos. You can't get a, a clear view of everything or, or of anything right? Where it's calm, you can see right through it. Well, that's, that's very much the point with people is that if you're, if you're not calm in yourself, if you got all kinds of ripples going on, because you don't necessarily have that, that grounded state yet, people are going to misinterpret you all, all over the place because you're not necessarily aware of how you might be misinterpreted. Right. And it's just because you're really caught up in how you're feeling and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. But again, you know, it's, a bull in a china shop, right? Like you, you can't help but bump into things for a little while as you wake up and kind of, again, get your sea legs. Yeah, that's very much something that I'm trying to find, not trying to find, but like finding balance with is that, you know, between people seeing you in a certain way and like really enjoying what you're saying, but kind of seeing it through you and then also on the other end, as you mentioned, on the other end of the spectrum, like if you get too deep, you know, too close to the root too quick, people like immediately kind of don't see, like they, they want to label you or put you in a box. And I've had a lot of people who I talk to about these things that will say like, oh, you know, your, your sort of thing is covering identity and 
like it it always feels weird to me because like people want to be certain about you basically they want to be able to put you in a box oh are you this like oh so you're you're basically buddhist is that is that what i'm what i'm getting and i like the fucking the amount of times i hear that is just insane but it's fascinating how it's that mentality that people love just identifying you in a certain way because there's a comfort in that then they can know what it is they understand that and then set you aside but so i've been kind of working on how to come across without necessarily going in too far that i lose people too quick because sometimes i get you know very excited about it like i'm enthusiastic about it and i was actually talking to my brother yesterday and he he meant like we talk about this stuff decent amount and he he's like like i love talking about it. i'm super interested in it and you know really enjoy the conversations but like you lose me a lot dude <laughs> like is there a way that you like i think maybe being more i don't know finding ways which i'm always trying to do find ways to like bridge those gaps but finding i don't know more ways to do so and and being there and so i totally understood where he's coming from and it was funny because someone actually in discord uh yesterday afternoon asked if we could do like a unity for dummies uh community topics which i found very funny that it was requested you know within a couple hours of my conversation with my brother that he brought up the same type of thing but yeah it's something that i'm always working on there's i think there's a concern to a degree like there's a de desire for it but at the same time as we've talked about so many times there's a two-way street and if someone isn't willing to look into it like if they want to just be like oh so you're buddhist and then stop there like that's not a, i can't control them and and their desire to be okay with continuing to question but um yeah i mean i i had a couple interesting conversations yesterday which we can get into but yeah i always find it fascinating how people just want to put you in a box as quick as they possibly can yeah absolutely well or they get lost in just concepts as a whole right and actually I, I wanted to talk about this as well because somebody had left a message on one of my tiktok videos saying you know like well why do you believe we're all one we could easily you know not be all one and I'm like i don't believe we're all one and they're like well what's your underlying message you know obviously you think we're all one i'm like no it's that's not so so I, it dawned on me like, okay, that's a good point. Actually, the, the underlying message of dualistic unity, is, if there is one, isn't that we're all one, right? Because then that's a concept that's going to lead you astray. You're going to look at that and get all deep and metaphysical, which isn't a bad thing necessarily. But if you're looking for the concept or the realization that we're all one, unfortunately, you're going to miss it because it comes back to you, right? And so instead of our underlying message, if you want to call it that being we're all one, it's you're not what you think you are. That's the message that you're not what you think you are. And if you take that far enough, if you continue down that path long enough, if you have the courage and the faith to just continue letting go of what you think you are as a source of value or truth, inevitably what you come to is the recognition that you are your reality. You're the awareness of reality. And in that is the recognition of unity in you. But it's not in the concept of unity. And so 
to answer your question, Andrew, it's trying to find the, a way to discuss life as a whole and always come back to that recognition of, oh, that's not, that's not the truth either. Oh, that's not the truth either. Oh, that's not the truth either. Whereas at first I was just like, holy crap. And I'm trying to discuss the truth and describe the truth and talk to people about the truth. And it doesn't work that way because the, the messenger is always a traitor. Good old Krishnamurti, right? It's always misperceived according to that other person. And so you're trying to tell them something in concepts. That's not a concept. And so the best thing you can do is try to inspire a question. Try and inspire that, that moment of short circuit where all of a sudden thought doesn't work anymore. You're just like, whoa, hold on. That's not quite what I thought it was. Exactly. And there's that uncertainty. And in that uncertainty, you get closer and closer and closer to being in the present or being the present, being yourself. And that's where the recognition of unity comes from. But it's about freeing yourself more and more. That's why a lot of the feedback that we get here on the podcast isn't necessarily, though we do get some people who are like, recognizing this is all me has changed my life, which is great. But more often than not, we get messages from people saying, I feel so much lighter. I feel like I'm able to tackle things I couldn't tackle before. I feel so much better about not holding on to my narrative. It's always about that sense of freedom. Now, if they continue down that path, they will continue to have more empathy for everybody else. And that's the recognition of unity as well. Right. But unity as a concept is super misleading. It's the reason all religions fail. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. Just I think that might be just my go-to now because when people ask what uh what my content is about or what my podcast is about, it's just like the recognition that you're not what you think you are. And just drop that there and just see see where they go with it. I think that's a great way to start because like sometimes I'll I've never really not that you need to settle on a description of it, but I I I always have a tough time sometimes when people ask. And a lot of times, depending on the person, I'm just like, uh, it's in the realm of mental health. And, you know, it's like existential type stuff we talk about because, you know, or non-duality, if you're familiar with that, you know, Alan Watts, Krishnamurti, what they talk about, talk about similar stuff, that sort of thing. But um, I like the recognition that you're not what you think you are. I like that a lot more because that immediately is like, hmm, what do I think I am? And it's so interesting. And even for me, like that process, because initially when I, when I woke up or recognized that I'm, I'm not what I think I am, there were still a lot of things that I thought that I was, you know? So it, it immediately, it's like, you can have that recognition that you're not what you think you are, but there's still a lot of layers. A lot of times at that point, I think it sounds like with your waking up, like a lot of layers got peeled back in a, a moment more or less but with with a lot of people it's it's very much a process and so that continued process of questioning is so important because it's just it's almost habitual to want to settle on something it's like i'm not andrew i'm i'm the awareness of andrew i'm the present awareness of andrew it's like yeah but you're not that either you know keep going there's more there there's more there there's more there and then so it's like continuing to go and it's still like i still certainly have layers i've been at points where i've think there's been a lot less layers that sometimes there are at other points but um it's that is that continued process so getting people to just question some things as opposed to settle on what it is and and discussing not what the truth is but what the truth isn't i think is very important and that's a lot of the ways that i go with 
you know, when I get in discussions with people about religion, they're like, you know, what's what's wrong with it? And I we start talking about it. And a lot of times people will agree that questioning everything is very important. Like, yeah, you see, religion is kind of the opposite of questioning everything. It's settling upon answers that don't exist, right? They're the ones trying to give you an answer. I'm not trying to give you an answer. I'm just saying that all of those answers that they're given aren't the truth either, but they're settling upon it, building structures around it, manipulating people through fear to you know, believe in it. So it's important to recognize that they're, you know, they're the ones settling on the answers. I'm not trying to give you an answer. I'm just recognizing what it isn't. Yeah. And that's it. Right. Because I used to do the other way as well, because it's exciting and it's fun to look at all the recognitions you're having and try to describe the infinite tapestry that is reality. When you start seeing how everything's connected together, it's really exciting. And you can get so caught up in trying to describe the insight that you're having. And the deeper you go, the deeper the insight. And it feels like you're in the middle of this universe that's spinning around you as you're looking at how everything is awe-inspiring. And you just want to look at these people you're talking to and describe it to them. And they're looking at you from within this very tiny cage with a little hole that they can see you through. And they don't see any of what you're seeing. And they, because they can't understand how you feel, it frightens them or it confuses them or causes them to make an assumption. And that gets in the way, which is a shame to some degree. But what's nice is that enough time goes by of just, you are not what you think you are. And that little box that they lived in starts to disintegrate. And all of a sudden they're acting a little bit more free they're acting a little bit more like themselves. And then they have an insight. And then they start to share your enthusiasm for life. But it's so difficult to do that when we're wrapped up in the concept of me. Everybody is basically entombed in this dead fiction that we call me. And it's getting out of that that allows us to actually live, right? And that's the point. That's all we're trying to share. That's all we're talking about. That's all this is about. It's again, it's just about the discussion, but the discussion is how we are not what we think that we are free. Just knowing that. And a lot of that comes down to, I mean, more or less all of it comes down to application at the end of the day, also with the recognition that you're not what you think you are. Like you can move beyond all the things that are limiting you from being able to do all the things that you want to do. And because you're reinforcing that you're this, that you're that, you're this type of person, you're that type of person, you have this strength, this weakness, you know, you you haven't been good at that in the past, so you can't do it in the future. Like all of those things hinder you from being able to be free here and now. They're all that comfortable prison of certainty about yourself. And it's just an idea. It's just a made up fucking idea that you hold on to that limits you. And even the positive side of it, even the positive ideas are still limiting you from being able to flow with reality. And it's just a different type of experience when you let go of that positive idea of yourself as well, because it's very difficult to let go of any negative ideas of yourself without letting go of the positive ideas of yourself. They go very much hand in hand. And so even the positive ideas, it's like you have a positive idea of yourself, you've done a bunch of you know, affirmations, you've started to believe them, you've gained a little bit of confidence, you're still holding on to that. It's still 
such a limited experience, I would say, as opposed to being in the flow of reality that is uncertain. But there's there's a sort of, I don't know, process in that, I guess, of getting getting your, I guess, as you say, getting your sea legs once you recognize that, that, oh, there is a different way to experience reality. Because at first you start experiencing that and it's like, this is weird. I'm going to, I'm going to run back to that false certainty that I've clinged to. And you've mentioned this before, but I'm, I'm also curious the number of people that have sort of seen things a little bit more clearly, let go of themselves a lot. And how many people have you come across that have recognized it pretty, pretty deeply and kind of run back to the identity? Cause I know even just in my the last year, like, <laughs> I've had a couple points where I, it's not that I was very close, but I definitely, definitely crossed my mind. And I've had a couple experiences where I was like, I wish I never, I wish I never recognized that because it was still very uncomfortable, very new. And I was still finding my balance. I still am right now working on finding my balance. But um, uh, yeah, I'm curious just in your experiences in the last 20 years, like how many people you've come across who have been close and have actually turned around yeah at some point in your journey you start to think like is ignorance bliss right but it's not in that ignorance is not understanding that you're cutting yourself right you don't feel it that doesn't mean it's not affecting you doesn't mean it's not getting infected doesn't mean you don't carry it with you you're just not aware of it so while it might be temporary bliss it's bliss with the consequence. So I just wanted to take a quick moment here to announce that we have our California mini retreat coming up on April 11th to April 15th. And it's going to be a blast. There's no agenda. There's no thing that you got to try to be or become. Just time to express yourself. Time to be yourself. Time to find out. What is it to be myself? Can I really just do that? Can I really just let go? Can I really just show up without any preparation whatsoever to every situation that I get into with a bunch of people doing the same and a bunch of games to play as you do it? We're going to play some pool. We're going to go for a walk. We're going to shoot the breeze. We're going to hang out. It's the dopest sleepover that you could possibly go to. And you can join us and save $150 by using code BIGBEAR150 at dualisticunity.com. Just go to the California mini retreat details. You'll find it in the navigation bar. Enter the coupon code, and you can use this coupon code in addition to your already existing Patreon discount. Very much looking forward to seeing you there. Just want to make that clear right from the start. Um, to answer your question, though, and I don't know necessarily if this is a result of the timing or, or a result of, of my own inability to communicate clearly or, or just their inability or, or not inability, but necessarily their decision to go in another path. But honestly, up until recently, up until just the last few years, this conversation has been very difficult to have with people. It's been very difficult to get to any major depth with people outside of those who are experimenting with psychedelics. And so what's really impressed me over the last two years, especially, is the number of people having this conversation who haven't even touched psychedelics yet, right? So that's, that's changed quite a bit over the last 20 years of my life, absolutely. But I'm not going to lie, almost everyone I've talked to 
to a certain degree up until the last couple of years has gotten to a certain point of awareness, found something that they decided to pit themselves against in the world or in reality or, or morally or whatever you'd like to say. And as a result, got stuck. They just couldn't let that battle go in order to continue gaining awareness. Right. And as a result, it, it twisted them and it, it turned them into you know, people who still value themselves by comparison to, to assumptions of other things that they may not understand. Right. And it's just, it's always tempting. It's always tempting, but there's always a cost. Like each and every one of those people ended up getting stuck in something that said though, there are a few people I've talked to actually over the last 20 years who are continuing on out there doing their thing, found their sea legs and they're just living a life just living their life, which is great to see. They just care a lot less about what people think. And these were people who, when I first met them, were working your average nine to five job. I'm, I'm thinking about three people here specifically. Um, and now they they kind of work for themselves doing this and that, or, or they've got their own business and they just don't care. They just don't care. They're just like, yeah, this is my life. I'm living my life and I'm happy. And, and as a result, they're just the kind of person that you would want to talk to going to the grocery store if you ran into them you'd be like hey how's it going oh good dude easy going happy people or, or relatively content with themselves and i mean isn't that what we're what we want isn't that the point right now how deep did, did they go in their own journey i don't know i haven't talked to a, a lot of them in years i know one person in particular went quite deep and at one point went yeah i don't know if i can live here and that's okay too right that's okay too like not not every person is going to go, what's over that mountain? And there's no reason that you have to, by any means. I do. And I do because in all honesty, that awe-inspiring matrix of connection I was describing earlier never ceases to be awe-inspiring to me. It's as good, if not better, as watching the sunrise. Like, admittedly, a good insight into how everything is connected is beautiful in a way that I cannot describe. You know, it, it's beautiful in a way that goes beyond any visual description. It's life-changing in so many ways. And so for me, that's enough. That's why I enjoy the insights. That's why I dig, that's why I, I go past the pain, past the suffering, past all that crap, because it's worth it. It's absolutely worth it to me. Does that mean it's the right thing to do? No, no, it doesn't. But that all said, more of us doing it, we bring back a lot more insights, right? It's just like traveling to a far off land and bringing back things that nobody's ever seen. That's the point, right? It's just the sake of the adventure, the sake of experimenting and sharing. As long as it's not about, hey, look at me, I brought something back for everyone. Like It's just, it's the weirdest thing. But as long as that's not in there, we can all just talk about sweet new insights. And what's nice is that the insights that go, that come from going deeper into the mix, back into your ego or back into identity and sharing it in the world alters the egotistical world as well, right? Inspires more insights on this side of the mountains as it were. And those insights inspire more adventures. This is what I'm saying. Like everybody has a, not a purpose but everybody has their place in this tapestry. Everybody's journey affects everybody else's journey because again, we're all one. So it doesn't matter what you're doing. It's what you're doing. You do that. We'll do what we're doing. And between all of us throughout space and time, everything is going to be done. 
Yeah, it's a fascinating recognition when you see that everything's kind of perfectly in its place at all times. I know we've been talking about that a lot in the last couple of weeks that it's all happening perfectly all the time. And and it's like letting go of your idea that it should be happening differently than it is right now. It's kind of like, not that that's it, but that's a pretty deep point and something that a lot of people get stuck on the idea that it isn't happening perfectly. Like I need to change this right now, like me. And, and that I see as, you know, the people you were mentioning, they all got kind of caught and pitted against something. It's, it's stemming from the idea, like this shouldn't be happening and I have to change it. And it's a different conversation because people don't like to hear that it's happening perfectly, you know, they, they, cause that immediately they come up with all of these atrocities and whatnot, but they don't recognize that it's the mentality that they're clinging to, that it should be different. That's the root of those atrocities. So it can't be changed by without changing the mentality or else it's just going to keep coming up in different ways. And yet, unless you recognize that shift in mentality is necessary, inevitably you're going to be pitted against something, which is, I don't know. I, I like to think, sometimes I think that's a shame, but at the same time, that that's the idea that that's not happening, you know, as it, as it should as well. And I guess there's, I don't know, it's, it's okay to have some concern for those things, but just not get too, too caught up in it. But I'm, uh, I was also curious with with the person and you mentioned specifically like they saw it pretty, you know, went pretty deep. And then they were like, I don't know if I can live here at all times. Like, did was that a conversation you were having with them that they expressed that? And where like, I don't know, I'm curious, what, what did they what was the depth of that discussion? It went it went fairly deep again. It. it it was different from my perspective, but from theirs or, or from theirs, we were on, on a psychedelic trip at the time and they, they started to recognize that they were just talking to themselves as me. And that's what hit them. Like, I don't know if I can live like this. It's like, that's okay. It takes some getting used to. Um, that doesn't mean that at some point they're not going to come full circle and go, yeah, I think I can live like this, but they got a glimpse of it and it didn't scare them necessarily as just, they couldn't see the logistics of how their life would adapt to that recognition. Like, how do I deal with my friends? How do I sleep with my girlfriend? <laughs> like just things like that. Like it changed everything to them. And so they couldn't reconcile the, the gap between, you know, being human and recognizing divinity, even though there really isn't one. And that's the point is that you, again, you, you, you dip your toe in and you assume, you know, the temperature of the pool. Right. And that's not the case at all. And so that's, that's where they got caught. But uh, I wanted to go back here quickly because um, we were talking about monsters and atrocities, because we talk about the recognition that, you know, getting out of our own way, not being invested in our own identity causes less conflict, changes the effect that we have on everybody else. And by doing so changes the world because we are the world. But of course the ego is like, right. But how do we make all of this go away right now? Right. And so I, I shared a video very much uh, on 
in this vein the other day on, on TikTok and Instagram about ripples, right? How ripples happened over time to get us here and ripples will happen over time to get us back to a state of mind where we're not in so much conflict, but it really comes down to us and the ripples that we create. Okay, but how do we get the Trumpers and the pseudo-Christians to actually care for other people who are not male, white, and Christian? These are serious human rights offenders. I can't coexist with them. And how do we coexist with any religious extremists when they're, worst, when they're the worst, most dangerous, most murderous human rights and sex offenders? These aren't political differences. These people are dangerous and mentally deranged. And that is an actual response from somebody on Instagram. And the point being the fear there and the lack of patience and the lack of recognition of how those people came to be, right? Those people came to be because they are so disconnected and they, cre they were created by a system that encouraged that disconnection or at the very least didn't nurture a sense of safety or, or, or empathy with others. It happens over time. Those monsters weren't created today they were created over generations right and it's through changing that environment that those monsters will start start to subside right but the idea like yeah but how do we make everybody agree with me now and that's really what the argument was there right right how do we make everyone think like us now that's not the point we don't want people to think like us right we don't even want to think like us Right? We want to change how we're thinking. We want to change the way that we live so that way the world changes with us. But that argument, you can see where it comes from, right? Yeah, it's kind of like if a branch looking at another branch, thinking that that branch should be different, not recognizing all the things that led that branch to be where it's at. So it's such a surface level idea ideology like mentality you like these people are thinking wrong and i'm thinking right and because that's what it comes down to too you mentioned this the other day in order to vilify as soon as you vilify people you're seeing yourself as the hero like as soon as there's a villain you're the hero as soon as there's a villain that isn't you you're the hero and that's equally as egotistical and fucked as all the people who are the the villains that you perceive. And so I see that type of response is just very, very shallow and like a surface sort of layer of the reality of, of what's actually happening. It's almost like an iceberg, like looking at the, the peaks of all these icebergs being like, that one should change. That one should change. That one's wrong. And then it's like the entire glacier or iceberg is underneath the water. And there was so much that led to that peak that caused that person to act like that behave that way and and the root being a mentality of division of believing that you are what you think you are but there's so many layers to peel back before you get to that and we think that we can just change the peak without looking at the entire thing that's underneath the water that led that person to express themselves in that way believe the things that they do it's not just they were they were born and just a racist bigot you know there's a path that got them there that goes deep goes way back to you know parents grandparents great grandparents like all of it impacted everything for all of eternity that sprouted as this person who believes certain things so to think that 
the way that you think is correct and other people are incorrect just discounts the depth and the fear that the deep fears that people cling to that they express in different ways. And so if you're not willing to recognize that and see where it comes from, at least, you know, peek behind the curtain a little bit, you're just going to perpetuate the same type of mentality that's kept us in this shit for so long. Well, and that's the real kick in the teeth about morality, isn't it? Is that it's judgmental and it lacks empathy. And so the world that morality tries to create is oddly enough, the world that morality is trying to battle. The world is so divided, right, by people who believe in morality. This was an argument I've run across many times in terms of Christian morality, but it applies to other religions as well, um, is this idea that, well, my morality is sound because it's based on the word of God. Because you can say, well, morality is subjective then. Maybe my morals are different. And what they'll say is, right, but your morals don't mean anything because they don't have any basis. You see, they're just based on whatever you want them to be. So they could be anything. Your morals could be anything. Whereas my morals are based on the word of God. Therefore, they have foundation, even though it's a made up book written by other people. So just as subjective, but it has the, the, the appearance of credibility, right? Because it's the word of God. And people get sucked into that conversation. It's so interesting because you'll actually hear people argue back and forth about like, no, my morality is just as valid as your Christian morality. And you'll hear the Christian go, of course it's not. Of course it's not. Look at this book. It's followed by millions of people. It's the word of God and Jesus and all that stuff. I always ask the same question. And every time I run across this argument, it shuts it right down. Are you not aware of empathy? Because everything that you claim is immoral or is moral is basically derived from the feeling of empathy. Don't murder people. Why? Not because it's bad or it's wrong, but because you wouldn't like to be murdered. Right? Don't steal people. Don't steal from people. Why? Not because it's wrong or bad, but because you wouldn't like to be stolen from. And putting yourself in the other person's shoes, you go, yeah, maybe that's a dick move. Empathy is the foundation of morality. Morality is this cheap substitute for empathy that the ego uses to keep itself in line. And it never works because the ego can cheat. The ego can just make shit up and say it's moral and justify anything it wants. Whereas empathy, you can't lie about. You can't lie to your empathy. You know when you're being a shit heel. You know. Okay? But if you're a moral person, you can validate. You can validate almost anything as being morally a morally justifiable thing. Yeah, morality is is very malleable and and bendable based on your preferences, the way you're brought up, like all different environmental factors, and the whole mentality of the the ends justify the means. Like how fucked is that one, right? Like how much destruction has been done through that mentality that kind of goes in the same realm as, as morality. The ends justify the means. Oh, you know, the ends are good. And so therefore anything we do to get to that good is good. Also God's like, on our side. Yeah. 
<laughs> uh, it's the funniest fucking thing when people are like, oh, God, like, especially uh, I see it in sports so much. It's like, God's God's watching over us. Glory be to God. And it's like, you really think, yeah, have you seen how big the universe is? Even if there was a sky daddy, you think he's watching this fucking football game right now? Oh, my God. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> eating peanuts and popcorn and drinking a Diet Coke up in up in the pearly gates. It's just fascinating and hilarious. But, you know, saying it's hilarious gets people all sorts of triggered. So I don't say that too often. But, um, yeah, with with morality, it's so bendable and malleable. And and with the uh, with the Bible reference as well, that people settle upon that. I actually saw a uh, creator on TikTok make a video where they had uh, a plug with like a an end that sticks out and then the outlet and they they said something along the lines of you know using the bible to prove your argument as truth is like taking this and just plugging into it into itself and he didn't even say that many words i think it was like a caption at the top and he just like did the motion and that was it and i i thought it was so fucking funny uh absolutely well this is it it's it's convenient right like that that's the whole thing you can use the argument oh well you know jesus isn't historically proven because although there's lots of people who have referenced jesus there was nobody around jesus's time that actually talked about jesus except for i think one person josephus or something like that um in which case even then that's just a mention that he existed Right? That's not definitive proof of anything. Like the, the Christians will focus on like the shroud of Turin, like the, the shroud that went over Jesus when he was crucified. Like we found it. This proves everything. It's like what? What does it prove? It, it proves that someone was covered with the shroud and they died. That's what. It, that's all it proves. It's it's, it's, it's nothing. It, it doesn't prove a thing. Like none of the stories, none of the gospels, none of any of it are proof that someone named Jesus or Yeshua or whatever you want to call him walked around, healed the sick, walked on water, was born of a virgin and resurrected after death. None of it's proof at all. Regardless if you can prove that Jesus existed. Doesn't mean the story's not cool. Doesn't mean when you read the words of this character, and I, I don't just mean in the four approved gospels, but if you go and you look up, like, say, the, the Gnostic gospels or the Nag Hammadi stories, right? Like, those are cool too, because those are also from the same character. I mean, you read about uh, Jesus in the Torah, you read about Jesus in the Quran, because they recognized him as a prophet of God as well. Like, the character itself is cool, right? Why does it have to be the one and only connection to God? Well, because that makes me special by my connection to it. And that's why Christians pound you over the head with, you have to accept Jesus Christ. You have to accept Jesus in your heart. How limited is your God that I have to do this thing to be connected to it? That seems weird. Yeah, the preconditions always fascinated me that there's there's a there's a right way to be connected to god and it just so happens to be based on my preferences and what makes me comfortable but you know it's so there's so many people who believe it it's so rooted in my identity that you also can't question it and if you question it you're being disrespectful and you're not being nice and just be nice just just be nice just religion's good for some people like it it does some good it's like how fucking shallow of a thing are we settling upon that 
it does a little bit of good despite all of the atrocities that it's perpetuated that we're okay with just like not even being able to question it a tiny bit. Like we can't even, you can't even bring up a question about, I mean, you can, but you oftentimes get met with a visceral reaction. Like even with people, I found it so fascinating, even with people who say they're not religious at all, like we'll still defend religion. And at least, you know, you get to talking about God and they're like, oh, there must be a, it's gotta be a higher power. Like I had this conversation with someone yesterday about it. Um, and you know, they're not, they're not religious. They kept saying they weren't religious. They definitely still were clinging to a higher power, but they were very much like defending religion. And I always find that very interesting. Like it makes me curious why people who don't even identify as religious at all will still like defend it as if they're super fucking religious. Like, I'm sure you've come across people like that, but I don't know. What are, what are your thoughts on that? Well, you'll notice anybody who relies on belief in their own life will defend somebody else's right to believe. Right. And that's very much it. Cause if they don't have the right to their fiction, then I don't have the right to my fiction. Right. So they have the right to their fiction. They have to. Everybody has a right to believe what they want. How often do you hear that? Right. And that's the point. Like, I made a TikTok video. It was the first TikTok video that I made that (laughs) was removed by TikTok (laughs) very quickly. And it was just me. It wasn't even me. It was just a Bible on the screen. And then my hand opened the Bible and I very slowly tore a page out of the Bible. And that was the entire video was me just tearing this page very cleanly out of this Bible. And before it got taken down, there were some comments. And one of them was, dude, I'm not religious, but even I know this is not okay. What's not okay? It's a book. It's a piece of paper. That's all it is. It's a book. There's nothing holy about this piece of paper toilet paper is more holy because at least that is helpful to you okay like bible papers it's just like any other paper the fact that it's even called the bible means nothing nothing it's just a title it's just a title it doesn't mean anything oh it's the holy bible well excuse the fuck out of me the holy bible now that changes everything and it doesn't It doesn't change a thing. It's just a book. It's just made up. It's just written by people. Oh, it's inspired by God. Everything is inspired by God. If you want to look at it that way, I could write something down on a piece of paper right now and tell you that's the word of God, and I'd be absolutely accurate. But God lies as well as tells the truth. God loves and hates. God is everything. And so if you're looking for the word of God through everything that everybody's ever going to write, you're missing it, right? Because again, you're missing the forest for the trees. You're looking for a concept and missing the reality. And that's where all of these holy books fall short. And I always find it really interesting that they're always like, you know, this is it. This is the word. Then the next religion comes out and they're like, no, this is it. This is the word. And then another religion comes out and they're like, no, 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 this one. And this is the last word. And right there you have Islam, Right. Because that, that's Islam. They're just like, yeah, yeah. Judaism, all those prophets, good. Jesus, good. Prophet, yep. Yeah. But it ends here. 
this is the best one. And it says that. That's actually the basis of their whole religion. It's like, you know, all of that stuff was really distorted by men. Well done, right? But this is better. It's like, hold on. Like, you're you're not seeing the problem there, right? And that's it. It's just, we just want to believe. We just want to look up. We want to follow someone. We want to have a path laid out for us that this is the way to live. And then we wonder why the world goes to shit. Yeah, there. Uh, yeah, this person I was talking to yesterday actually said it was something along the lines of, "Well, everyone has to believe in something. If you don't believe in anything, then what's what's the point of living? There's no purpose to life." And I was just like, "Oh man!" The other people I was with were like, "Oh no, he didn't. He didn't just because they know me a little bit better." And they're like, "He didn't just say that, did he?" And it was it was just it's so fascinating that people actually are so lost in illusions that if you don't think about yourself, if you don't think about what your purpose is, if you don't believe in thoughts, then there's no reason to live. Like it's such a sad, sad excuse, like settling upon the reality of what is. And yet that's the illusion that we've settled upon the mass state of psychosis that we're all existing within. And as soon as you question it, it's so uncomfortable for those clinging to that illusion that they have such a strong visceral reaction. Like you can tear a page out of a book and even people who don't give a fuck about that book have a visceral reaction. Like that just shows the depth of this illusion and the discomfort that comes with questioning any of it. And it, I, it makes sense what you said that anyone who clings to belief is going to defend belief, no matter what the belief is. And so many people cling to belief. So anytime you question any sort of belief, you get visceral reactions from anyone. Well, who, to the point of telling you that, oh, you don't believe? That's a belief. Exactly. That one like blows my mind still that like, Oh, well, you don't believe in anything? That's that's a belief. It's like, how? How the fuck is that a belief? That doesn't make any sense. That you don't cling to a belief and therefore that's a belief? What is a belief in? What is it a belief in? And they're like, that there's nothing to believe in. Like, where like where do you go with that when someone because that can just go on? forever i, I go guess. away yeah yeah that's, that's typically fair. where i i cut my losses and go all right i think we have hit the end of this road together and it's because again you're speaking different languages they both sound like english or whatever language you're speaking but they're not right one's a world of concept the other world the other is a world of descriptions of what is right concepts are not reality Knowing that changes how you discuss everything. Changes how you discuss everything. So before we go much further, we have some questions because we've had some people commenting and I just wanted to get to them quickly. Uh, specifically, any recommendations for depression? I have been dealing with reoccurring sickness and really depressed since. Uh, usually I work to cope with life, but lately it's hard to even get to work with this. Um, okay, so 
reoccurring sickness is, is, is a difficult one because being sick sucks. It's no fun to be sick. I get that. But on the other hand, the more you resist your sickness, the harder it is to deal with your sickness and, and ultimately start to heal from your sickness or at least get some, some momentum. Right. So, and I know this because I spent a lot of my younger years being very, very sick. So I, I can relate to this. Um, it really is just accept where you are. Like if you're, if you're, if you're sick and, and you're sick and that's not going to last forever. Don't mean, don't think that today equals forever. As you know, it goes up and down, but the, the harder you make it on yourself, the harder it is for your body to go up and down, really specifically to go up in terms of feeling better. It really is difficult for your body to do anything if you are beating it down with stress and worry and thinking that the way you think right now is going to last forever. Keep that in mind if you can. Aside from that, if you can get outside some fresh air, um, that, that typically helps um, conversation maybe a little bit of sociability that, that can help as well. Just, just getting out of, out of your head for a little bit. Um, when I was sick, I, I would like to, I would try to push myself to go for walks where I could, uh, if I couldn't work, then I, I would try and do something else with my hands or I would try and do something else in terms of learning something. So that's the best I've got. Uh, aside from that being here, it's really nice to see you. I just wanted to say, um, it's always nice when you're in the comments section and we appreciate your questions. Absolutely. And you can reach out on discord. So it, keeping yourself involved that way can, can help as well. But um, I think most importantly, just try and be kind to yourself. Try to try to recognize that feeling shitty about feeling shitty. It's just going to make you feel shittier. Right. So if you can try to just, just accept that you're not feeling great right now, just to, it, it's going to pass take the opportunity to rest, right? Take the opportunity to, to reflect and reprioritize, you know, that kind of thing. And, and again, just get into something if you can. That's my advice. Andrew? Yeah, great answer. I don't have too much to add, but I think understanding just that, that you're doing your best with it. And as Ray said, like giving yourself some, some grace, some leeway, not necessarily spending all your energy trying to change everything, you know, taking those steps to kind of be where you're at and be okay with where you're at and not, not in the sense of complacency, but just understanding that you are where you're at and what, what can you do with it? A lot of times we love to focus when we go through certain things and I've been through, you know, a lot of injuries in my life, especially not, not as much, um, chronic illness or anything, but, we, we very quickly get caught up in, you know, oh, I can't do this. I can't do that. I want to do this. I wish I was doing this. I should be able to do this. And I, I can't yet. And that's fine. Again, there's nothing wrong with that necessarily, but it's not going to move the needle at all. Understanding what you can do and kind of seeing it as op an opportunity to dig into some things that maybe are a little bit more easily available to you now to take that take that break from kind of running around and and trying to get all these places and just settle into being where you're at um can help but yeah i mean ray covered a lot of that and and so yeah i don't i don't have too much more to add that was a good answer especially considering again like it's not just reoccurring illness but Ill, uh, injury as well that can also affect in a big way 
for sure. Uh, we have another question here. Any ideas on quieting the mind before falling asleep? Okay, so yes, and this isn't going to make you happy, more than likely. Trying to quiet the mind before you fall asleep is like sprinting and then trying to catch your breath once you've stopped. It's very difficult to do because you've been running that whole time. Whereas if you stop sprinting about 20 yards back and slowed down well before the finish line, you'd have lots of breath. And so falling asleep is kind of the same way. If you're not relaxing the rest of the day, it's very difficult to just let go and fall asleep. So the more you relax during the day, the easier it will be to fall asleep at the end of the, and that's, that's at the end of the day. <laughs> the point being is that it really does come down to that. It's, it's your overall level of stress, your overall level of thinking about your life and everything else that's going to catch up with you. This is why I personally set a psychological endpoint on my day about eight o'clock ish. I'm done with the day. That's it. The rest of my day is nothing. I'm not thinking about anything, I'm not stressing about anything, nothing, unless there's an emergency or something like there's extenuating circumstance. Sure. But the fact is that I have a psychological endpoint on my day. My phone goes off. I am no longer reachable at all. My family has a problem. Sure. I'm there for them to some capacity. I'm not going to stress about it. They can I can handle that tomorrow more often than not. So this is me landing the plane well before I go to bed. Try and keep that in mind, right? If you're running right up to the end, it's very difficult to relax. Yeah. And I think there's, there's a lot more to it than just, you know, my mind's racing before I fall asleep as well. Like there's, there's kind of a whole depth of letting go of certain things that go along with intrusive thoughts, racing thoughts, even, even letting go of the idea that they are intrusive that, or that you don't want to be thinking them can help because, you know, I dealt with intrusive thoughts. Like my mind was loud as fuck for a very, very long time. And there was, there was a process in letting go of that, but recognizing that, you know, that's what my mind does. Like my mind thinks my brain thinks it processes things. And oftentimes when you don't have things to distract yourself from that processing, you notice it more throughout the day can be a little bit easier because you can do all different sorts of things, dig into things. And then, so when you're lying in bed asleep, there's nothing to distract you from all of those things that have always been there throughout the day. You've just kind of like dulled them, kind of numbed them a little bit through being able to like cover them up by things. And so recognizing that there's nothing wrong with that, you know, before bed, your mind races like, now my mind's quieter, but before bed, I kind of get into a trippy sort of reality to a degree. Like I, I very much use my mind as a tool to kind of explore my imagination and I'll like travel around and do stuff. And so it's a different perspective though, because my mind's still like noisy, but it's not that I don't want it to be. And I think that's, it's that idea that it shouldn't be happening that gets in the way of things, you know, what you resist persists, like thinking that it shouldn't be something that you're experiencing oftentimes keeps around like, oh, these thoughts, I don't like these thoughts, giving them a lot more attention. And so that goes for any part of your day, recognizing 
the reality of your brain and your mind that it processes things it thinks it doesn't mean you have to take them seriously we've talked i know uh raw episode one and episode two we talked about a lot about intrusive thoughts and potentially a deeper deeper reality of what those are through recognition of yourself and everyone and everything and and a little bit uh less walls and whatnot so if you're interested in hearing more about that um i think that was a very interesting conversation but yeah letting letting go of the idea that there's anything wrong with that happening that it is normal when things the rest of your life quiets down you notice those things more but it's not that you have to actively quiet them like kind of kind of riding that out as uncomfortable as it may be it's that process of leaving them be that eventually it might take you know a couple hours it might take you know a couple of weeks a couple experiences processing it going through it you know for me it took a number of years for my mind to begin to even start to quiet down, but understanding and even implementing a practice like meditation and just watching those thoughts, maybe when you wake up and then before you go to bed can help you to recognize that they're not, they don't necessarily mean anything about the reality of you. You don't necessarily have to take every single one so seriously. They're just going to kind of float through your mind at all times can help you to not attach so closely and try and actively quiet them and over a period of time through the practice of it because it does take some practice and time to allow that to solidify um it'll it should help as well in any situation especially before bed uh, we have a follow-up question here for you do you feel like falling asleep is easier that way andrew i uh, like you tend to imagine outside of things that typically make sense um yeah, I mean, I fall asleep. Like, I have never really had issues with sleeping too much, but it's definitely, I have less issues now. And it kind of, like, it kind of starts to blend a little bit. It's been very trippy. Like, ever since the retreat, sleeping has been really trippy. And it's been a lot of fun. Like, I, I can, uh, the dreams, I think, in terms of lucid dreaming, it's like, I'm, I'm still holding on to, certain things about myself when I'm awake. And so that may be the thing that's stopping me from like really experiencing lucid dreams, but the dreams have been very lucid in the sense that I remember them pretty clearly. They're very much, I'm seeing them as experiences that I'm experiencing. Um, just more clearly seeing myself as the whole thing than I do as often in, in this reality. But I do find and and I don't always necessarily imagine things, but I kind of enjoy doing it. It's fun to like explore the imagination when you don't take everything so seriously, when, when you know that the thoughts that arise through your mind don't necessarily have to do with the reality of you. They're just an aspect and an opportunity and a tool like within and without the reality of you. Um can help but yeah letting go of the idea that anything that you think about means anything about you kind of helps you take them less seriously and when you don't take things as seriously you're more relaxed you're not as you know pent up and stressed about trying to actively take the effort to change something and through that relaxation through that letting go of the belief that there's anything wrong with it 
gets easier to fall asleep. It's a lot easier to fall asleep when you're relaxed than when you're stressed and trying to, you know, take effort to do things. Cause that's, that's interesting too. Cause like when, when we're taking effort, you know, throughout the day, doing something active, like manual labor or whatnot, you're probably not going to fall asleep while you're, you know, chopping wood or something. Right. It's like, that's an active thing. It's not that dissimilar from your mind racing and, and all those thoughts and trying to not, not your mind racing necessarily, because that can happen without you getting so involved that you're utilizing energy to change it. But once you start trying to change it, thinking that it's wrong and taking the energy because mental energy is still your brain working. It's still an energy source. So if you try and change it, you try and silence them, you try and stop them. That's taking energy too. And so you're not really in that state of relaxation. So it's going to make it more difficult to fall asleep in that state of being active, essentially, even if it's not physically, mentally act, mental activation can make it just as difficult. So it's not about making it quiet. It's about letting go of the effort of trying to make it quiet. Which means letting go of the opinion of what's happening. Yeah. Because it's if you were to think of it as, think of your thoughts as kind of this running monologue going through your brain. And your brain is just processing your life. And so that's the monologue that you quote unquote hear is the process of understanding everything that you've experienced in order to figure out who you are and where you are and everything else that your brain does which is great. So you have this one stream of, of conversation or this one stream of, of language of words. And then you get in there and you start talking over it about what you think of those words. So now there's two voices, except the second voice isn't just a second voice. It's backed up by all of the voices of your narrative, all of the things that you say, I am this, I am this, I am this, I am this, are all speaking over that process, that singular voice that was happening before. So how can you hear anything? How can you process anything? Have you ha how can you have any sense of quiet, any sense of space, any sense of peace? Because you're actually crowding yourself in your own awareness just by investing in your opinion of what you're experiencing instead of experiencing it. And that's it. It's not that opinion is bad. It's just that if you get overcommitted to it, you actually start to listen to your opinion more than the experience that the opinion is about. And that's the danger. That's the illusion. That's where you start getting lost again in your idea of things rather than what's actually happening. Yeah, that opinion, it's fascinating, like the depth of the opinion, right? Like that's really the thing that's keeping you from recognizing that this is just as much a dream as what you're dreaming when you're dreaming, is that opinion of you, like your preference, your idea that something should be different than it is, your idea that it's not happening perfectly, your idea that you know, you should be in a different place than you are. You should be feeling something differently than what you're feeling. You should be further along in your job or your life, or you should be in a relationship right now and you're not. You, sh you should be single now and, and you're not, you know, whichever you should have kids now and you don't. You wish you didn't have kids now, but you do. Like all of those things, keep that story around, the story of you is rooted in all of 
those opinions. Is that, I don't know. Do you think that's the entirety of the story is rooted in your opinions or is there other, a lot of other aspects you think play a part or is it, is it like derived are where our emotions get stuck? Right. I, I think that's it is like, I like this. I don't like this. And I think that that's, you know, a part of our, our emotional spectrum is that, but again, the opinion is how it defines me. Right. And how do I think about this outside of what it is in itself? But I wanted to go back for, for a quick minute because we were talking about how you just have to accept the thoughts, kind of let go of them in order to fall asleep. And I wanted to give a specific example. So at one point in my life, when I was living in this apartment, the apartment got broken into while I was asleep and I ended up getting attacked in the night and everything worked out. Okay. Nobody has to worry, but it freaked me out for obvious reasons because they were trying to get something in my bedside drawer and I woke up and anyway, so I was freaked out in that apartment after that for a while. And every night, you know, I would go to bed, like checking the locks, checking the windows, doing all that. And it dawned on me that, no lock was going to make me feel safe. There was no security measure that was going to suddenly make me forget what had just happened. So I actually had to remind myself they could still get in the house in order to start falling asleep. I had to accept it in order to start falling asleep, in order to let go of the fear, to just accept like, yeah, it could happen. Because as long as I was trying to avoid that fear, I was becoming more afraid. Damn. Yeah. I mean, that there's so many potential examples of that just with hypothetical thoughts. That was something I dealt with for a very long time. And probably, I mean, when I was caught up in all of that concern, especially like 10 years ago when I was going through high school and whatnot, I probably don't even remember, but I'm I'm sure that I dealt with a lot of intrusive thoughts before bed. And I'm sure that it kept me from it. And so even flipping it. And you, you mentioned this sometimes is something that can be beneficial to people is, is, you know, all of those fears, all of those concerns, what if they did happen? You know, what, what if they happen? And almost rather than resisting those thoughts, there c- can be a time and a place where you just allow it to run. You allow it to go and like allow and let go of your resistance to it. And that hypothetical situation you're so afraid of, like allow it to play out and end and then, you know, watch your life continue on despite it and see like, oh, I'm still okay. Oh, that thing that that I was so afraid of, like there were some bumps and whatnot here and there, but like I ended up okay. So that would be okay. I would be okay if that happened. Like despite all of those fears, if they actually came true, I would still be okay. And there's a lot of peace in that recognition that will allow for the resistance to maybe not entirely subside, but at least subside to a degree enough that you can see there's another option. You don't have to keep your guard up at all times, even when it's not something physical, when it's something mental, like you don't have to keep that resistance to it. You can allow things to play out and understand that. I don't know, maybe this is going to lead to something I can't even fathom right now. Maybe this could turn into something super incredible and beneficial for my life. I don't know. And and relaxing in the uncertainty that you don't know where it's going to go, that fear that you're so afraid of, of happening. You don't know how it's going to turn out. 
and and allowing it to almost play out and just seeing allowing your imagination to kind of run with it and and get to the end and realize that you're still okay can be hugely powerful absolutely a good example actually is uh fear of judgment getting over a fear of judgment is way easier if you understand that judgment is a necessary part of human development if you understand that judgment is an early stage of ego development, that it's something we all go through, then you will stop being surprised when people judge you because almost everybody is still in that phase. So it's not about you. It's about them validating themselves. If you recognize that, you are no longer going into the world going, why are they judging me? You know why they're judging you you know that they're likely going to judge you because the majority of our society is still stuck in that early ego development phase. So going out into the world, you kind of expect it. And when you run across someone who doesn't, you appreciate their growth. You appreciate how much that person's probably done in terms of self-reflection and self-honesty and, and in insight and empathy and whatnot, because they're not judging you which means they're likely not judging themselves because that's part of ego development. You see how they go together? So if you know that, you don't have to worry about judgment because you know it's not about you. You don't have to worry about it happening because you know it's likely going to and that it has nothing to do with you, which case you can just go about your world. Go ahead and judge me. Have a nice one. Take care. And it really doesn't affect you, but it's getting over that fear of being judged, looking at the fact of judgment, looking at the environment and recognizing that at the moment, judgment and ego is ubiquitous. Yeah, that is incredibly freeing. And that's not even, I don't even know if I've, we've talked about it so many times, but I don't know if I've recognized it in that way, like that it, that it is actually a step in that ego development. Like I, I understand where judgment comes from and, and that, People almost do it out of need to, based on how they're feeling, to feel better, essentially. But even even the understanding that it's a, it's necessary on that path to development. It's just an early stage of that devel- of that development can be very helpful and freeing. Just take any weight that you're still holding on to based on that judgment sort of off and feel for the person who's going through that because there's so much more to that stage in ego development than just judging people. There's a lot of insecurity. There's a lot of probably self-sabotage. There's a lot of concerns for yourself. There's a lot of self-judgment that's involved. There's there's a whole plethora of things, you know, say a table with a hundred things on it and judging other people is just one of those things. So understanding that they're going through a whole fucking merry hell of their own, that one of those, an aspect of that hell is judging other people and thinking that you know you're correct in those judgments because you feel so shitty in yourself that you need to and it's the only thing allowing you it's the buoy that allows you to temporarily feel better feel a little bit more satisfied in your life for a split second or a minute so through that recognition there's there even through that there's so much less weight on on yourself yeah yeah I like and that. that's it it's just it's part of the journey right? It's just not a part of the journey that we've gotten past yet. And this is why earlier talking about that person's response to, you know, what about all the, you know, the, the religious fanatics and the pseudo Trumpers and then blah, 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 blah. It's like, yeah, they're not the problem. You're the problem. Right. And that's, and that's it. It's that 
it's not that the the problem is that mentality. The problem is that we get stuck in that mentality rather than growing up ourselves. We get stuck on why aren't they growing up? And it's like, they will just work on yourself because at least then you're changing the environment, right? There are adults in the room that changes things. And that's the whole point is that you just work on yourself, get out of judging yourself and you will judge people a lot less because you are developing as an awareness, as a person, as an integrated part of everything else. And that gives everybody else a chance to find that space, which is what we were talking about this weekend in the coaching workshop, right? About giving people the opportunity to change by providing an environment where they can actually do that for themselves, where they're not being pulled and pushed by everybody else's ego. That's really all you need to do. But we are all surrounded by ego in its early development. And so we wonder why we don't have the space or the time or, or the breathing room to change without somebody saying, but I need this from you and you should look at me this way. And it's all the time. It's all the time. And so this is why the retreats are so important, right? Is it's an opportunity for people to get away for nine days and actually get that space with people who are doing the same thing. So that way they can work on nothing other than a healthier relationship with their ego. That's all it is, right? And this is how we're changing the world. This is the ripples that we're creating is changing ourselves, developing ourselves. Then that gives other people the opportunity to have a different discussion, to feel a little bit more free. And that's when they can grow too. It's all it's about. It really is. And it's helpful to remember that. You know, and I've said this before, and you were talking about this uh, just previously. It's not necessarily that we're not willing to question ourselves. We just don't see why we should. Like we come into the world afraid, feeling isolated and alone. We need some sense of control. It makes sense to think about myself. Now I can control how I feel, or at least I have the perception that I can control how I feel, not seeing the teeter-totter that is self-perception, right? Like every time I got to raise myself up, I'm afraid of falling back down. We don't see that, right? And so it's an early defense mechanism from the world. That's what it is. It, it, that, it, that box we were talking about that is our prison, at first it's a wall. Like we look at it as a wall to protect ourselves from the outside. We don't recognize it's a prison because we're too busy on the defensive aspect of it, right? And that's the point is eventually we have to start letting down that defense. We have to start developing strength, but our culture doesn't necessarily do that. And God knows we have fucking centuries of trauma that actually set people back way more, right? Because you imagine people getting to that developmental point where they are starting to like question the box and then somebody comes over and traumatizes them because they haven't gotten over their shit. And you imagine how fucked we've been for the last several thousand years, thanks to religion and all that bullshit. Like there's, there's a lot of collective trauma that have kept us in these boxes. And so that's where that empathy comes from. That's where recognizing like, right. You're judging me because you're terrified. Right. And it doesn't always feel that way. It feels very personal. And that's part of that ego development that you have to get through. Right. Until it doesn't feel personal because it never is. Yeah, it's, that's a great point with seeing the, uh, 
the ego and that sort of development initially as as a wall that sort of turns into a prison eventually. And then, you know, we're, we're say we're in that prison and we feel a little bit secure in that prison, but, you know, the door is open and we don't want to walk out because we're unsure. And then we start to we walk out and then it's like we're walking through the prison hallway and all these other people in prisons start throwing shit at us. And we're like, oh, fuck, I can't handle this anymore. Like, I thought I was going to be free and now it's hell. And and it's almost like that path is kind of long. So like you, you're still walking through the shit. And if, if you get too concerned with all the stuff that's fucking like literal shit that's smacking you in the face, who knows what these people in their prisons are going to do because, you know, you being free is such a detriment to their false certainty that they actually want you to go back into your prison and so if you don't if you don't recognize why they're throwing all the shit and you just see it you think it's a reflection of you when it obviously in that situation it's more clear that it it isn't you know but they're also berating you and saying all this bullshit and so run back to your prison cell because at least you're not getting shit thrown at you in that it's a little bit more comfortable i mean there's still obviously there's lot lots of pitfalls to being in a fucking prison cell but at least you're not going through that and so it becomes you know it it goes from a wall to a prison cell and then those drop we go out and experience things and we're just so caught up in all of our prisons and defending them so harshly because everyone feels like that's you know where their comfort lies and and so even if i guess uh, going just going along with this analogy like being free in yourself is triggering to those people but they're still not really gonna necessarily always throw shit at you but then you know you start talking to some people and they're in their prison cells and you start mentioning hey you know you're in a prison cell but hey the door's open it's been open there's a way to leave that but you know out here is a little bit uncertain, you can't quite cling to the same things, then they get angry because because you're questioning the thing that keeps them, them comfortable. And because they're so insecure, they think that them remaining in it, despite you recognizing and telling them you're in a prison cell, then means something about them. And they feel like you're judging them because they're so fucking insecure and standing on this very unstable platform being identity. And so then they start throwing shit at you again. You're like, fuck this bullshit. I'm going back in my cell. I love everywhere that went. That was awesome. That was a really, really good way of putting it. And, and that's it, right? And the reason they're throwing shit at you is because they've actually convinced themselves they can't leave. Right? So it's almost invalidating for you to leave. Get back in there. It's like crab bucket. We were talking about it before. One crab tries to crawl out. The rest of the crabs pull it back in. Right. And it's just a response. And so you actually have to make that decision. People are going to throw shit at me. Right. That's it. You have to understand if you're going to be free of judgment, that it doesn't mean other people aren't going to judge you. Right. It's just that it means the response to judge them for judging you no longer makes sense. That's where the vicious circle comes in. Right. And so that's the empathy is recognizing they're judging you because they're afraid and they're afraid because they've been in their cell for so long that it's getting very cramped and it's feeling frustrated 
and it's feeling alone, right? And they may have tried to redecorate that cell numerous times, identifying in numerous different ways, but it's still the same cell. And that's the danger, right? This is why I feel really bad for people who come into spirituality and immediately take off on, on the love and light thing, because all they're trying to do is paint their prison walls with really bright colors, right? And it's not, it's not freeing them, right? It's just temporarily distracting them from the fact that they're still trapped. And then what's worse is that the colors were so bright that when they become disillusioned, everything else seems so much more gray and dark as a result. And that's the problem with spiritual disillusion is why I really have an issue with snake oil, right? Spiritual snake oil is like they're, they're using such beautiful language and such beautiful concepts to create such a terrible, terrible um, impact on people. It's brutal. It's basically, it's, it's like raping your soul, right? So I, I, I hate that because at least then, you know, if you don't get people to, to use those bright colors in their prison cell, you know, they don't get that disillusion. Eventually they may just get uncomfortable with it. Right. Like, don't give them that whole, it's everything's love and light. It's like, but it's not because you still feel trapped and you're just trying to avoid it. You're sounding a little manic now. And that's the danger. Right. But it's funny because those bright colors are trying to communicate the awe inspiring vision of unity that you and I were talking about earlier. Right. Which goes beyond bright colors, it goes beyond colors at all. It becomes something that, that again, you feel on, I say the inside, but there's so much more to it than just the inside. Right. But yeah, that's, that's the reason it's important to be gentle with people. It's the reason to understand that they're going to judge you. And when they do, it's about them. It's not about you. And the only way you're going to recognize that is to recognize that when you judge people, it's about you. It's not about them. Uh, yeah. It's funny. Like thinking about times where I have gotten caught up and judged someone. It was always when I wasn't feeling great about myself. Always. If I was, if I was having a great day, like I'm not spending that shit judging spend that time judging people like i'm going and doing shit i want to do so it's just become like look at your own experiences like anytime you've really gotten caught up in judging someone making fun of someone laughing at someone's uh, expense for you know doing something like trying to be themselves or express freedom it's like how are you feeling in that moment that's just like everyone else everyone else who's spending that time judging is in the same fucking hell that you were when you decided to judge that person and but yeah at the same time like recognizing that you have judged people in the past as well you have gotten caught up in that very much so like allows you to not get too worked up in that or thinking that those people are terrible and wrong it's just you feel the empathy for them and and going back to what we were talking about before with environment and you know shifting the environment it's it's very interesting as you see yourself more clearly as your environment you see your goals shift not from the personal like the idea of you but much more broad much more of a broad scope and seeing like oh i can actually shift this environment and so there's so much less weight in that as well it's not so acute to the idea of you that that sort of weight that you've been carrying your whole life thinking that you know this has to be your focus you have to build this as as high as you can or or whatever it's like in letting go of that you can drop that weight and then you can see oh i'm i'm all of this let's make some change what can we do here let's uh 
make some ripples here and there. And and it's so much less concern for building the idea of yourself and also it being torn down by anyone because you just see it as a tool for yourself to create shifts and ripples in that environment. God, that's funny. What the ego perceives as altruism is really just the lack of ego. That's so funny that we perceive it to be like, oh, I'm sharing, I'm taking care of other people. But in that state, that's not what you're doing. That's not the intention whatsoever. It's not egotistical at all. It's just that you have an overflowing cup and no perception of division. So you're not giving so much as just being abundance. Uh, yeah, it's so much less specific the the desires it broadens everything which is all altruism is but really it's just in letting go of the walls that are around you you drop those and all of a sudden it's boundless and through that it's like everything you do has that sort of altruistic undertone i guess but it's that is very funny that we create this sort of egotistical ideal like i'm helping all these people but you're just seeing yourself in them. And so nothing else would make sense other than helping yourself through all of them. Hmm. Yeah, I like that. That's really funny. Absolutely. Well, we are coming up to the end of this episode of Dualistic Unity Raw. I do want to make one more quick announcement. The Tuesday episode of Raw this week is going to be a little different. Uh, Our Tier 2 supporters on Patreon and our Tier 3 supporters have an opportunity to join us for that episode in a group discussion. If you would like to join us, we would love to have you. You can talk to us on screen, be part of the episode. If you have a project that you would like to promote or a podcast of your own, you're welcome to introduce that as well. Uh, It's for tier two and tier three supporters. So you have to go to patreon.com slash dualistic unity to join. Likewise, in about 15 minutes, we're going to be there for our first group discussion of Sunday. We have two group discussions on Patreon today. Um, There are five days a week of group discussions now on Patreon. Tier one gets up to eight group discussions per month, which is fantastic. If you're if you're new to the groups and it's something you just want to try out, that's a great way to do so. Likewise, on Wednesday, we have a free public group that you can register for for free at dualisticunity.com. Uh, it's at 6 p.m. Eastern time. And we do that every Wednesday if you'd like to be on the screen and actually have a chance to talk to us in person. Likewise, I want to give a quick shout out and thanks to everybody who is currently watching, to everyone who is currently watching us and has currently and has watched us on Twitch. Twitch is a new platform for us. And so we really appreciate everybody subscribing, paying attention to this, this uh, live recording and joining us, leaving comments, asking questions, informing the discussion. We really do enjoy these episodes of Raw. It's crazy that we're already approaching what are we, we're coming up to like 18 or 19 now, I believe pretty quick. It's nuts that it's accumulating so quickly. So we do hope we'll see you again tomorrow at the same time as today for the next episode of Dualistic Unity Raw. And then again, Tuesday, it'll be in the evening. Hell yeah. Yeah, love, uh, it's been a lot of fun getting on Twitch as a new platform and just, you know, learning about it and just, you know, getting this conversation out there in as many different ways as we possibly can it's a lot of fun and especially when we're able to be on screen with you in the groups again my favorite form of the content so if you haven't come across patreon yet that's 
get in there because they're they're a blast and and it's just a place for people to openly express themselves you know ask questions and get be be the discussion as opposed to just you know watching it or commenting in the chats and yeah but again also on patreon if you don't feel comfortable talking like there is no pressure whatsoever toss questions in the chat we address those as well uh but yeah they're always a lot of fun so looking forward to yeah the next couple hours where we're talking with lots of you on patreon again yeah it's it's the community that that really is dualistic unity it's the groups where the magic happens these podcasts are a lot of fun the conversations are a lot of fun but the the engagement with our community the ability to hear their insights it makes the show so much more than just the show honestly every day that we come back and we record an episode it's very much informed by these groups by these members of our community so even if you don't if you can't join us on patreon or if you don't join us on a group discussion on wednesday check out our community discord which you can also access through the website there's almost 700 members on there now and there is a consistent discussion about all things in terms of our existence who we are what this is all about and how to eventually create a healthier relationship with their ego. So do check that out. We're going to wrap this up here. We'll continue in about 15 minutes on Patreon. Thanks everyone. Bye everyone.